Beautiful, thanks. Hey, you can be seated. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing good. Labor Day weekend. You're in church. Awesome for you. Hey, uh, this is uh, Labor Day weekend is typically kind of the end of the summer, and I love summer, uh, but I love fall, too, and uh, fall is kind of a time where Western North Carolina shines, and uh, we're going to have a great fall here at our church. Um, we're celebrating our 30th year as a church come October, and uh, that's going to be... A lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fresh, a lot of fresh new things going on. Uh, there'll be a lot of change that happens around here. So if you like change, Yahoo. If you don't like change, Yahoo. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so so good. So we're moving into 30 years fresh, not 30 years old. Come on, somebody. And uh, and so one of the things that uh, we like to do to kind of get us all on the same page and. Uh, and get if you love this house, and especially if you serve somewhere um, in this house, we have a thing that we call Heart for the House. Uh, and this happens once a quarter, and we're doing this uh, Thursday, September 12th. It's going to be a great night, and you're going to kind of get a sneak peek into everything that's going to be coming and all the fresh new things that are going to be happening. And I just, I really want to extend to you a, uh, a personal invitation to be a part of that night and uh, just kind of lean into everything that's going on. I'm excited about where the fall and the, uh, then I'm not excited about winter, but uh, where the fall is going to take us and what the winter is going to offer us as opportunities to do great things for the glory of God. So hard for the house. Maybe you don't normally come to these things, but if you love this place and you want to be a part of helping great things happen uh, for the glory of God, then be here for hard for the house uh, Thursday, September 12th. It's going to be a great night. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for, yes, four of you are excited about that, and thank you for, for that. We're in a series of messages that uh, I've started calling, uh, It All Started in a Garden. It All Started in a Garden, and this is uh, uh, the eighth message in this series, and who knows how many more there are, because there's really so much, um, I guess, material to cover on this idea, but, uh, but, but here's the concept uh, that I want us to, to kind of move into and continue to understand. Uh, a blessed life in a blessed place is God's original and ultimate intention for mankind, and I know I've said that for now eighth week. Uh, of this, but uh, I hope that it gets just nailed into your heart, um, this idea that that is God's intention when he first created man. When God created man, Genesis 1, he declared blessing over him. It was the first thing God said, the first move that God made, and then he proceeded to place mankind um, in a blessed place called Eden, and uh, dictionary.com give you a definition of, of Eden as a delightful place, region, a delightful region, or dwelling, paradise, a state of great delight, happiness, or contentment, bliss. And what I want us to uh, continually own, and I think it's so important that we own this idea, is that a blessed life 
in a blessed place is God's default setting for life. That's, that's his intention for our life. Now, I think we all know uh, there's, there's a devil who wants to mess that up uh, in our life. And the truth is, we probably might know some people who don't really care that we get blessed. You know, there, there's, you know I think it's one thing to, to see people who will come alongside you when things are going bad. But it's also, uh, it's a good thing to watch who cheers when you're blessed. Like who says yay when, you know, when you get blessed. Because that, tell, that tells a lot about people. And, and I want to encourage you that when you see somebody else getting blessed, even if you feel like they don't deserve it, and they don't, uh, they, there will still be something in you that says yay. Come on. Even if you have to do it through gritted teeth. I'm so glad you're being blessed. And I think if we're being honest, um, which is sometimes difficult to do in church, um, I think if we're honest, we will realize that there's probably some things that we have done uh, that could end up messing up our blessing. But it is still God's original and ultimate intention in life is for you to live a blessed life. God's normal is blessed. And we know the story, man messed up, Adam and Eve sinned and, you know, brought the curse in. But what I love about Jesus is that he has come to restore what the enemy messed up, what man messed up. And that's what he does, right? I mean, I mean, the the, the truth is, the Bible story is a story of restoration. The Bible story is a story of redemption and God taking us back to this original place. Um, one of my favorite verses in, in the book of um, Galatians 3, verse 13, says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So you got to remember that even though Adam and Eve opened the door for the curse to come in to the planet, Jesus became a curse for us. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, which the truth is the curse of the law is it all depends on your behavior. It all depends on your performance. And if you get in a place where it all depends on your behavior and your performance, you're not going to be in a good place. But what we want to do is be in a place where we're dependent on his performance. In other words, it's not the fact that I am good that brings blessing into my life. It's the fact that God is good is what brings blessing into our lives. So it all started in a garden. And what we're, what we're really doing for a few weeks is just looking at this idea that gardening or agricultural principles... Um, can often give us, and there's so many of them in the Bible, that can often give us key insights into living this incredible life that God has for us. So today, I want us to uh, read some words of Jesus. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, cast them into the fire, they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Say much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. So this verse, passage, these words of Jesus are telling us this. God is glorified when we bear much fruit, abundant fruit. It is the will of God that we live in a place of abundant fruitfulness, of abundant flourishing, of abundant blessing. He doesn't just say fruit, he says much fruit. Jesus didn't come into this world. Jesus doesn't come into your world to make you more religious. Amen. Try this side of the room, see if I can get a... Jesus doesn't come into your world to make you more religious. He actually, the Bible is telling us that he comes into our world to make us more fruitful, to, to cause us to be more blessed, to cause us to live abundantly, to cause us to flourish in life. So fruitfulness, much fruit, is God's normal. Blessed is God's normal. Flourishing is God's normal. God wants your life to work. And he wants it to work well. God wants your marriage to flourish. Not, not just tolerate each other, but flourish. Come on. Any husband, wife, would just say amen in church and... God wants your friendships to flourish. Here's my discovery that as the years go by, it becomes easier and easier to isolate rather than have great, meaningful friendships. But God wants your friendships to flourish. Some of the, the, the difficulty of maintaining and having friends can push us to a place where we say, that's not really worth it. But that isolation place is never going to be a good place for you. He wants flourishing friendships for your life. God wants your ministry to flourish. You have a ministry. Every believer has some kind of ministry that God's put inside of them. God wants your, your career to flourish. Not just barely get by, but bear much fruit. He wants your character to flourish to be strong, right? He wants your emotional and 
spiritual health, your well-being to, to flourish. That's the will of God for your life. But I think most of us could say that's not always our experience. I'm not, I'm not seeing all these places in my life flourish, bear much fruit. And what I want to keep reminding us is that you can't keep downgrading your expectation of life based on your experience. Because maybe the family you grew up in didn't expect to flourish in life. Maybe the people that are in your world don't expect to flourish in life. Maybe some of the news we listen to doesn't feed us things that help us flourish in life. And I'm just saying it's easy to start to get to have your expectation downgraded. And I want to encourage you to upgrade your expectation based on the eternal word of God. So, don't, so it doesn't matter what the economy is doing, who's the president, what, you know, what um, Republicans or Democrats are in power, how much it costs to buy a house. I don't, none of that is what really matters. And you can let all that stuff start to downgrade you on your expectations, but I want you to continue to keep your expectation of life framed by the Word of God. And yes, I know that there are experiences that we've all had that would go, that's hard for me to believe. <laughs> but can I just say to you, God never intended for you to make it on your own. You, you are not intended to live this life that he's called you to live in your own strength, in your own power, in your own capability. That's what this whole passage is about. It, it is branches that are attached to a vine that apart from him, we can do nothing, but with him, all things are possible. Possibilities arise in an incredible way. And so, if I could keep encouraging us, you, me, keep buying in to that there is a power that is greater than you, that you can that this passage is telling us that you can attach to someone who is greater than you, who is more capable than you. You can buy into principles that are greater than you, and those principles will lift you. You can connect to a person, Jesus, who is greater than you, and his, his intention is to cause you to be abundantly fruitful, and flourishing in life. <laughs> I, think, I think every time we, we buy into some of these principles that are greater than us, if you buy into the idea that sowing and reaping is bigger than you, then it can work for your good, but if you don't, it can work for your bad. If you buy into the idea that the, a, a prayer life actually taps you into something that is far greater than you could calculate on a piece of paper or work out a scheme to make it 
happen, but that you realize there's something greater going on and you can tap into it. It's not about just logging your prayer time in so God will approve of your behavior. It's about understanding that there is a spiritual realm that is controlling the natural realm. And if you do transactions in the spiritual realm, you'll make change in the natural realm. If, if you buy into the idea that worship creates a fresh atmosphere around your life, even when you don't feel like worshiping, that's the time when you worship the most because you're creating new atmosphere around yourself and you need that atmosphere. So the, the power to be fruitful is found in the power of God. Or, or let me flip it and say it this way. The power of God manifests in fruitfulness, in lives that work. The power of God manifests in flourishing lives that work. This brings him glory, is what the passage said, right? I got saved in a little uh, Assembly of God, charismatic kind of church, and it became apparent to me that some of the thinking in that church was the power of God is for a show in church. And so people were looking for a miracle to bail them out of bad seed they'd sown. That probably doesn't apply to anybody in this room, but... Um, and I think some people mistake what the power of God is all about. Power of God is not just for a show in church. And let me just say to you that the secret to a flourishing, fruitful life, and I'm, I'm saying this as a 63-year-old man, I know I don't look a day over 62, but uh, that has tried to pursue this my entire adult life, that the secret to a flourishing, fruitful life is abiding in Jesus. It, it, where, where we are connected in a current, real, fresh relationship with Jesus. That we have a faith connection to the person of Jesus. That we're abiding. We're, it's an, we're, we're hanging in there. On the days when I don't get it, on the days when I feel overlooked, on the days when I feel disappointed, I don't bail, I abide. I hang in there. It's like, maybe it's not going my way today, but I know what the secret is. Abide in Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Don't like crazy stuff. Because if this is really the secret, guess what the enemy wants to attack in your world? Your relationship with Jesus. It, it's what he's going to try to prevent in our lives. And I believe all of Christianity 
eventually revolves around a personal relationship with Jesus. The most important thing in your life is to maintain a, a vital, healthy, current, growing, real relationship with Jesus. It's not just, it's, it's not just an important thing. It's the most important thing. Mary and Martha, you know, here, here is Martha running around trying to fix everything, trying to make everything right, thinking if she works hard enough, it'll all come together. Mary just chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus, Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the one thing. There's other things that matter in life, but the most important thing, the one thing, making sure you keep your heart at the feet of Jesus. So let me look at a, let's look at a couple of ideas that come out of this uh, John 15 that can help us. Number one is this. Every garden needs tending. John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So here's, here's what I gather from this. God never leaves branches alone. He, he's either taking away what's unfruitful or pruning what is fruitful. And I'm going to suggest to you that we all keep this same kind of attitude in our lives and recognize that every garden, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your work world, your personal, your soul, your, your life, that there are times where you got to stop and recognize this is no longer fruitful. This is not working anymore. It used to work, but it's not working now. Or we recognize that there's just some things that need to get trimmed back. Because eventually, if there's not fruit... It's not God. Let me say that again. Eventually, if there's no fruit, it's not God. If it's not flourishing, and what we've got to do is be willing to let things go or make adjustments. It, I've confessed to you, and it's an ongoing personal battle, but uh, I'm a pack rat. I just am. I, like, I just hang on to stuff way too long. I've, I've picked on the idea that you could have paint cans that are 15 years old in your basement. Got skin this thick. You, it's never going to be the same color again. But just in case, 
And I think it's just easy to get emotionally attached to paint cans, to, to get emotionally attached to stuff that used to be great, used to cause you to flourish. I recently am finding myself pretty convicted about social media because I find it eating into my actual reading time. And I know for me, it might take a trim back or it might just take a cut the branch off entirely because I don't do well with moderation. But... <laughs> and nor do you. Don't want to be acting like you got it together. Because I know a lot of you. But I'm just saying, every garden needs to be tended. There's things that our church used to do that, that were so fruitful. And now, we've, got to, we've had to learn to let it go. Ways that we used to do things. And I think this is what happens in church. And it happens in business. And it happens in families. And it happens in your world and my world. Is that we hang on to stuff just because it worked and it's easier just to hang on to it than to let it go. And you just, eventually you just have to go, that's not working anymore. That 12-week vision of the rock class used to work great. But it's not working anymore. What you don't want to find yourself is being in the middle of something that God isn't pouring life into it. You don't want to find yourself in the middle of something that you've got to manufacture energy for it. Now let me just say, every season of fruitfulness often is preceded by a season of pruning. And this is what the Bible says, God's the vine dresser and he prunes back stuff. And the truth is, pruning doesn't always come with a warning sign. It's like a desert season doesn't come with a warning sign. You're now entering the desert. So get yourself geared up for it. Nor is there a sign that says you're about ready to leave the desert. And you know you're in the desert when you have no direction. And things feel dry. But pruning doesn't come with God saying, okay, I'm going to prune a few things back, but this really going to be for your good. It doesn't, there's no warning sign for it. It's just happening right now. And it feels like stuff is being taken away. It feels like you're losing something. But I just want to encourage somebody today that really God is just clearing space for a greater future for you. The second thought that I find in this passage, number two, is this. Trials don't make you better. The Word makes you better. Trials don't make you better. The Word makes you better. So John 15, 3 says, you're already clean because of the Word which I've spoken to you. So it is not a difficulty endured that makes us better. 
It's not a trial that we make it through that makes us better, that cleanses us, that upgrades us, that lifts us. It's God's word. I want you to follow my thinking on this because you could go through a trial and a difficulty, but if you don't get a new thought or a new revelation or a new paradigm or a new outlook, you're probably going to go through it again. And the value of a trial or a difficulty or a pruning is that it drives you to the Word. It's not, it's not the difficulty that helps you. It's a, it's, it's a new outlook. It's a, it's a, it's a new thought. It's, it's when you go through something and it, you go, okay, God, speak to me. It, it, isn't, it isn't the trial that fixes you. It's the word that you learn in the trial that fixes you. Can you hear what I'm saying? And let me just say that whatever you're going through, God has a word for you. Right? The trials don't make you better. The word makes you better. So the, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're encountering, God has a promise. God has a word. God has something to that say to lift you. you and make you better. The third idea out of this passage is this. You can't pull on the leaves and make the tree grow. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What I want to say about this is fruitfulness or flourishing, it can't be manufactured. It can't be hurried. So we want the three-day diet that makes us lose 30 pounds. I'd be up for that one. Instead of living a healthy lifestyle. I'm, I'm saying what God wants to do in us is not just tie apples to a tree. Life can't be manufactured. True flourishing can't be manufactured. Tying an apple to the tree is not flourishing. Fruitfulness means there's some roots that are under the surface that are feeding a flourishing life. We want to solve in a day what has taken us years to get into. And I'm just saying, that's not the way to live. Yes, God works miracles. Yes, God does incredible things, no question. But the life he wants us to live is not just a life that we're tying apples on the tree. 
Psalm 1, verse 1. Everybody okay with what I'm doing today? Yep. Psalm 1, verse 1. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wasn't looking for that, but thank you. Uh, well, yes, I was looking for that. All right. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. I think the common thread, certainly between John 15 and Psalm 1, is much fruit. Whatever you do, it'll prosper. Apple trees produce apples because the life of apples is in the tree. The tree doesn't have to try harder. It doesn't have to strive. It doesn't have to push and manipulate. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the life that's in the tree. And let me just point this out. Fruit is not for the tree that produced it. In other words, grapes are not for the vine. Grapes are for someone to pick. Grapes are produced for others. Fruit is produced for others. What I want to say is you will bless others when your life is flourishing. You, you will. Hey, listen. Better to be married to a man who's flourishing. Better to be married to a woman that's flourishing. That's fruit's not just for you. Much fruit. Not barely enough. Much fruit is the life of God in you. And I love this passage that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And my response is always, thank God I'm not apart from him. Thank God I'm connected. So the opposite is, maybe all things are possible. Maybe with man, this man, it's impossible. But with God... All things are possible. And then the last idea is number four. A current connection with Jesus is vital. So John 15, 6 says, If anyone doesn't abide in me, stick with me, stay close, stay connected, He's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire they're burned. I think it's, I think it's worthwhile to be concerned enough. I think even a healthy fear, a healthy respect to understand that the possibility is so real that a branch that was once fruitful can dry up and be tossed out. It is possible that 
we could rely on the past, past revelation, past victories, past walk with God, past things, but it's really no guarantee of current fruitfulness or current flourishing. When Suzette and I were growing up in, in New Orleans, there was a, a man, uh, I think his name was Bob Harrison. He was uh, the chaplain of Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street is a wild place. And uh, Bob Harrison had this ministry on Bourbon Street, and, and he was really known around the world. Well, he, he slipped and got involved with doing these debates with Madeline Murray O'Hare, and did, they did it as a show and receive offerings for, you know, who loves God and country and who doesn't love God and country or whatever. But all I know is that he spent a lot of years drifting away from his relationship with Jesus. And a few years back, I remember watching him, a guy was trying to reintroduce his, him and his ministry back into the Christian world. And it was so sad to me because he just, you could tell, he just sounded old. He just sounded dated. He, he just, he sounded stale. Like, he, he, was, it, he was 30 years stuff instead of something fresh coming out of his spirit. We were having a pre-service prayer time, and I remember I was right over there, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you know, your church isn't, isn't going to fulfill the mission that God has for it by better technique. That your church is coming out of your spirit. And I'm not against smart technique or smart thinking. But what I'm saying to you is that there's something about the condition of your spirit that means way more than figuring it all out. Can you hear what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe you get something happening in your spirit and, and the right thought will come that helps you. But ultimately, life is flowing out of your spirit. And then Jesus said this, John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. That's an incredible verse. Ask whatever you wish, whatever you desire, whatever you intend, whatever you delight in, whatever you want. And, and I'm, I'm asking this of us today. Do you have wishes in your heart? Do you have dreams? Do you have desires? Here's a big promise. And the qualifier is, you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, then it'll be done for you. Because when, I think when we're abiding in him and his words abide in us, our wishes start to line up with his wishes. And the Bible doesn't say, you got to do it. It says, it'll be done for you. Not by you, for you. 
So I'm asking you a question uh, because I think it's an important question. How, really, how are things for you? Fruitful? Flourishing? Prospering? Thriving? Or honestly, barren? Dry? Small? Dusty? And the beauty of this passage of scripture and this idea from Jesus is God is not calling you to try harder. God is just calling you to draw closer. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, I'm praying for every person in this room that has a dream, that has a desire, that has an aspiration that feels beyond them. Father, we we look at this. We say, Lord, we want to abide in you. We, We want to see much fruit, much flourishing happening in our lives. So I'm praying. God, I'm praying for fresh hope, praying for fresh faith, Praying, God, for fresh dreaming, fresh believing, fresh reaching for every one of us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today and you know that you have never actually surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. I would love to pray with you. I'd really love to pray with you. Let's, let's start that journey together. Maybe you're here today and you would be honest enough to look at your life and go, wow, I used to be so in love with God and so in love with the things of God that I'm not where I want to be, where I need to be, where I know I should be, and it's, it's just time for me to come home. Or maybe you're just here and you feel unsure. You don't feel confident about where you stand with God. Nobody's looking around. I just just want every person in this, that is in this room, hearing the sound of my voice, to just have a sense of certainty about you are connected to the source of life. So if you say, I've never surrendered, or I've fallen away, or I feel unsure, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to just lift your hand real high. Just be honest and say, that's me. You're talking about me. God bless you. Come on, all over the room. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Come on, just an honest. It's not a call to, hey, get your act together. It's a call to surrender. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? It's just, just say, yeah, that's me. Include me. Let's pray this prayer together. This is for everybody lifted their hand. I'd love for us to all pray it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, uh, I open my heart. I open my life to your love and to your lordship. Uh, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. 
Thank you for a fresh start, for a new beginning. As I surrender to you, help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.